Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. I'm talking to Julia today, and Julia have been married 43 years. Well done, Julia. And I'm asking, <laughs> and I'm, I'm asking uh, you know, how has their marriage been so good? You know, they really quarrel. They really argue. I've lived with them. I said, this kid, how is that so? He said, well, when we got married, <laughs> he said, we went on a honeymoon to America. And he said, we went to, uh, we went to the, the Rockies. And we, on the third day, we had a pony trek. And Julie was in this pony you before can, me. You can and I was following on. And suddenly, Julie's po- the pony stumbled. And I heard her say, that's once. <laughs> So we carried on, beautiful scenery, and the pony stumbled again. And Julie said, that's twice. We carried on for about another 20 minutes, and guess what happened? The pony really stumbled this time. And Julie said, that's three times. She got off the pony, got into a haversack, and got out a pistol, put it against her head, and shot the pony dead. And the script said, what are you doing that for? That's disgraceful. That's awful. What's the matter with you, woman? And Judy said, that's once. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they got quite good marriage. We went to London. Just so you know, we went to London. (laughs) All right. Okay. Question question for today. I don't want to be too long about this. Will you let Jesus wash your feet? Well, I'll pick that. It had been a long, hot, dusty day, full of speaking and healing the sick. They'd washed and walked for miles, sorry, they walked and walked for miles, and their feet ached, caked with dust and mud. What a journey, with crowds pulling at their clothes for attention, wanting to speak with the master, pushing past them and calling out for him to spend time with them. It was a constant tour of giving out to people. What a relief it was to at last draw aside shut the door and crash out exhausted onto a chair. They were so weary that no one moved or spoke, but just sighed and groaned. They heard the pouring of water into a bowl. Oh good, the servant girl's coming to wash our feet. That'll refresh us a bit. And it was then that the shock hit them. Okay, let's see if this works. Here we go, what do I press here about, Ethan? Right, but I need to turn it on first. Right. Shock. Right. Just stand here and do it, would you? It's a bum, right? It's fine. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped round him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, 
Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You should never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, <laughs> Lord, not my feet only, it's a typical Peter, this is. Not, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, look, the one who has bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who were to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let's look at this passage over these just two mornings very briefly. Father, would you just help me as I just share? I want to serve the guy as well. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we spend this time just considering this passage, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us individually about what's important, highlight the things that we need to work out, and encourage us corporately, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own. Now, this love is special. Notice, he, he had a love for the world, didn't he? We saw him healing the sick. He was full of compassion. But here we see a more special love. Having loved his own. Well, who were his own? Well, he calls his own sheep by name and they follow him. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Greater love has no man than this, that the man lays down his life for his friends. I do not pray for these only, but for all who believe on me through their words. So his own were his own. Here in this passage is his sheep, his friends, believers, and us who believe. That's lovely, isn't it? I pray for those who will believe on me through their word. And once we begin to see that, I want you to understand that you are his own. Yeah? Don't just look at it theoretically. You belong to him, you're special to him. Here's something very precious and powerful. If you go through the storms of life and so on, so no, actually, I'm his. And that's why, because I'm his, I will be with him wherever he is. Amen? Amen. And where is he at the moment? Right hand of the Father. So if you try to go to hell and you're his, the, the demon at the door will say, what's your name? Oh, I don't know. I can't find your name. You're in the wrong place. You won't be able to go to hell. Do you understand? Go to heaven. Lamb's book of life, that's Jesus' book of life. Oh, John, you're all right. You're down there. What a relief. And we are his own. The great compassion he had for the hungry and the lost actually has an even deeper love, a more intimate, life-changing love for us. And that should humble us, but also give us a bit of security. So we can't lose that love, as we'll see as we go through this morning. It says he loved them to the end. 
That's what every person longs for. They want to find somebody that will love them to the end. I mean, Jimmy has put up with Skip all those years. Now that's love, not quite to the end, but it's there. I'm just joking because I mentioned it earlier. <laughs> we all want to be loved with a love that lasts forever. But what's wonderful for us, we get this love not by any glamorous looks or giftedness or by being good. We get that love by faith. Yet to all who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So I'm a child of God because I believe in Jesus. It's like it's a faith issue, do you understand? Yeah. I thought actually, wow. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith. faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith. faith into this grace in which we stand. So our believing the truth of Jesus and who he is <laughs> in his name means everything about him means we've come into a very special love. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, says Jesus. And I too will love them and show myself to them. Do you know, you can believe in God and not believe God. You can believe in God but not believe God. Now, you can't believe God without believing in God. But a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God. They're never trusting him for anything. They're not trusting in salvation. And they're not trusting him in the way they run their lives. Believing God doesn't do anything. The devil believes in God. The demons believe in God. It doesn't do them any hope. Judas in the room was not believing Jesus was the Messiah. He hoped he was. <laughs> Definitely he wasn't the Messiah that he was wanting to, him to be. And he's in the room. But we get to experience being loved with a love that lasts. It's not fickle. It's not uncertain. He's not ignorant. He knows what you're like. He knows the depth of your heart. And he loves you the same. Do you know that song? His love is not capricious. It's durable. It's constant. It's stable. It's not only a love that endures, but it does go deeper. So as you go deep in life, he goes deeper with you. So when you go through tragedy or difficulty or grief, as I found, he goes deeper with you. He says, I'm going to plunge my love further in you because you're going through an experience which you yet haven't endured. And how tender that love is. Wow. Do you know he has a tender love for you today? I don't know how willful you've been or how faithless you've been or absent you've been from him, but actually he has a tender love for you. And your very sins, the way you muck up, don't push him away as we would think in our natural terms. He rushes to us in our weakness. It's like your child is ill. You don't just say pull away. And some of us have an illness of waywardness and sinfulness at times and bullshitness with God. It doesn't, he's not turned off. He's coming for you. You're his own. And we need to get our, our hearts and our minds in sync with the kind of saviour who loves us. And we know someone genuinely loves us when they stick with us over time. And Jesus says, I will never stick with you. I will always be with you. Because when you stick with someone, you think, well, I've just got to put up with you. Jesus is not saying, I'm putting up with you. I know what you're like, but you're my own. And I'm going to stay with you. And you're never going to put me away. I'm, I've started working you. I'm going to bring it through to completion. 
a bit like a marriage sermon, Jesus ceremony. Uh, Jesus is saying, you know, I take you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and forsaking all others. But death's not going to pass us. Even death won't pass us. Isn't that wonderful? So whatever, whoever you are today, Jesus says, I'm yours forever. Piper says, Christianity means we get mercy, God gets glory. We get joy, God gets praise. We get hope, God gets honour. Like that. Well, then John tells us this shocking action that Jesus does. You know, he, here he is, he's pouring the water into the basin and he begins to wash the feet. Now, I don't know how he felt when he got to Judas. How do you reckon he felt? He already knew this guy is, is planning, already planned to betray me. I'm going to wash his feet too. I'm going to be loving and caring for his feet too. I mean, you and I would have probably thrown the water over his head, but he didn't do that. And it says in the passage, know that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he'd come from God and was going back to God. In other words, he knew his authority. And I think if we would know the love of God, we would be better servants. The more secure we feel and know who we are in Christ, the more willing we are to serve others. Yeah? yeah? yeah. It's when you don't know that place, you can feel put on. You can feel, why should I? Your selfishness can rise to the surface. It comes to Simon Peter. Peter says, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Why do you think Peter didn't want Jesus to wash his feet? I've thought three kind of things. One was it, do you feel a bit guilty? One of us should be doing that, not him. Or was it actually discussed? It was so demeaning. You know, that our master, who I know is the Messiah, should act like a common slave. What was it the third reason? Which I kind of feel I, I go towards. That it does take humility to receive God's grace. I remember a home group a while back. We all turned up to the home group and the leader said, we're going to wash your feet tonight. Well, all of us thought, oh, crumbs, I've got a hold of the stuff. Uh, the women thought uh, a couple of them were wearing um, tights, you know, whatever it's what they call not stockings, but tights. Um, and, um, and some of the sort crumbs, like my toenails aren't too dirty. So the ladies, some of them disappeared upstairs and obviously took their, their, their tights off. And we came down and then we had our feet washed. I mean, it's quite humbling, it's quite soothing and quite ticklish. Because some people like their feet being done. But I've, it's a wonderful thing to have done. And I, I felt quite humbled by it. And you know, we've got nothing to offer God but dirty feet. It's good news, isn't it? We have got to give him great things. We're accepted by God, not through anything we can say or do. That's why the self-sufficient never find grace. Peter was being rather proud here. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's why blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So that, that way, I must be filled, is 
Ben said this morning. God only fill people who are hungry or who are thirsty. Jesus answers, if you notice there. Oh, sorry. I didn't put that on. That's, that's true, though, isn't it? The offence of the gospel is that means we have to let God serve us. That's why people are offended in the world. Why do I need someone to die on a cross 2,000 years ago? You know, I'm, I'm working hard. I'm a good person. I'll get to heaven on my own, thanks. No, you won't. And it offends us when we realise that today you have nothing in yourself that can save you. There's no reason why God should save you. You can't twist his arm by saying, well, I've been pretty good. That's what I'm after. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. So he's talking about washing and then feet washing as well. See, the gospel of Jesus is only good news to those who know they need it. If we feel we have anything in ourselves worthy of being accepted by God, we won't know him as saviour. It's either just know him as saviour <coughs> with nothing in your hands, or you won't know him as saviour. This miscalculation, this pride, is what's to stumble Peter here, and it stumbled Pharisees and the religious leaders. They argued with Jesus day after day because they wanted to bring all their performance and their religious ability into knowing God and to be accepted by God. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I think I've quoted this before, says there is no more wonderful word than grace. It means unmerited favour or kindness shown to one who is utterly undeserving. Are you undeserving today? Yeah. If you think you're deserving, you won't get grace. You don't need it, you say. Therefore, you will go without it. Here again, says the doctor, the purely gratuitous character of our salvation is brought out. It is something that results from the sole exercise of the spontaneous love of God. It's not merely a gift, but a free gift to those who deserve the exact opposite. And it's given to us while we are without hope and without God in the world. Wow! Have there been times in your life when you've begun to think that your performance counts towards your salvation? You need to be challenged. I have at times. I've always thought, well, I haven't prayed for a while. Oh, yeah. I'm in a very dangerous situation. Whether you pray or not, whether you read the Bible or not, whether you help the old lady across the road or not, actually your salvation's got nothing to do with that, is it? What's your salvation to do with? Jesus' death on the cross, the grace of God stopped dying you. But we can easily start to slip, almost into Peter mode, where we think, oh well, I have something to offer here. I think it's, it is possible, and here this is important, because in Romans 1.16, famous verse, I'm not ashamed of the grace of God. <laughs> but it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who yes. believes. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed that is from faith to faith from first to last. In other words, the righteousness of God, you being made righteous, is by faith. So if you put your faith in Christ, he makes you righteous. He is a propitiation, as he calls it. He is a wrath bearer. He takes away all the curse that should have come to you 
and he takes your curse, he gives you his righteousness, your right standing before God. He does the full work. Some Christians don't get in the good of that full work. So if I put my faith in Jesus, I'm as righteous as the Apostle Paul. Well, it's not bad, is it? I'm as righteous as Jesus. He's made me righteous. I'm not perfect like Jesus at all. But there's that righteousness. If I put a comment here, it's possible to be loved and accepted by God while we are sinful and imperfect, isn't it? If righteousness is something imputed to me, given to me, it's not something I'm generating. Are we hearing this? It's something by, by my faith in Jesus, God grants that to me. I can't make that happen. Therefore, the wonder of grace is I'm declared righteous and justified by God, even when I'm imperfect and sinful. What's well, relief, isn't it? Because guess what? I'm imperfect and sinful. Yes? But if I don't get the good of that, I start acting like a sinner all the time, not the saint that God's made me. Grace is not grace if God is compelled to give it to us because we deserved it. That's not grace. That's good behaviour reward. Grace is not grace if God is compelled to withdraw it from us or withhold it from us because we don't deserve it, because of our bad behaviour. That's what, not grace. We just get punished. Grace is God blessing us through Christ without any reference to our behaviour, but solely according to his infinite goodness and loving purpose. Isn't that wonderful? Wow! I declare righteous, even while I am sinful, because God is changing me bit by bit. Once I know I'm righteous, I'm already on the winning side. And if I want to get rid of some of this stuff, because it doesn't do me any good, and because it actually doesn't actually help my standing before God. My standing before God's already achieved by Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So, yes, we have nothing to offer God but dirty feet. He's cleansed us through his atoning death. Now, we do need to bring to him daily our dirty feet, don't we? We declare Christ in Christ because of what we what we go through. And daily he has finished us to bathe our feet. Doesn't need to clean all of us. As it says in 1 John 1, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, goes on cleansing us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian living is a continual realignment process. <laughs> For the world and our past try to press in and condemn us and stop us and freeze us from daring to trust God and press on. Now, Peter had to learn that he was to be included in Jesus' mission. It was only to the start, but it had to continue through his life. It was receiving. This is how you'll win. You daily receive, you don't earn. So if you're trying to earn God's attention, you've missed it. You receive his attention. He loves you. You're his own. You don't earn his blessing. You receive his blessing because of Christ. Not because of your behaviour. You have every right. You're a child of God. You're in Christ. You receive a blessing. You expect a blessing. It's not arrogant. It's trusting in the work of Christ. Do you understand? So that we go on daily receiving, not earning. Humility not status. We know how we are without Christ. Therefore, we're not worried about being someone that's important. Actually, we're relying on his grace every day, not my religious duty. 
So when you're busy rushing out, how do you find time with the Lord in the morning? Well, you're, like, you're working now, aren't you? You've got to get the kids. Sometimes get happy to the station. What time do you have to say, oh, I'll just enjoy the Lord for an hour? But you're in, you're in grace, aren't you? So what effect your God's grace is there for you? You understand? So he said, right, I'm claiming even when I'm you know, going back, I'm going to start work. I'm going to receive your grace today because it's not to do with how good I am. Eight hours I pray. You pray for half an hour and the enemy says it should be 35 minutes. <laughs> you pray for 35 minutes, enemy says it should be 45 minutes. Yeah. You read a bit of the Bible, it should be two chats. It's ridiculous, isn't it? That's just duty. Now, if I want to pray, it should come out, I hope, as well. Oh, great, yeah, yeah, lovely Lord. Actually, I've got a few things I need to pray for. You're my father in heaven. Oh, you're, my, you're my dad. Don't just start doing all for my sins. I'm terrible. I miss up there. He knows what you like. You start with saying, Father, I'm, I have the right to be a child of God. I'm righteous through Jesus. Wow, is that wonderful? I'm righteous. You're righteous. Because of faith. Jesus is not going to die for you again. He's done it once and for all. I think it's wonderful to know this. And, and then, of course, when we get to there, he then says, also, we are people who serve and don't glory it over. So, when he finished, you know, he washed their feet and put it on his house, he said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, Lord and teacher, or teacher and Lord, and you're right, so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. But I've given you an example that you should also do just as I have done for you. Truly, I truly, I say to you, a servant's not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. How we need to understand the relationship between the extent and nature of love Jesus has for us and our willing to change. Notice what he's saying here. You've got to change, guys. I want you to change. Okay? Now, he doesn't. See, what changes me, or what has changed me, is not rules and altars. Yeah. What has changed me is love and grace. Yeah. I said, Sonny, well, he loves me. I want to be like you, Jesus. Yeah. Not, I, I haven't got to perform. I got to, uh, I'm righteous in Christ. I love him. And therefore, I want to start to please him. Yeah. That's simple that. Lord, thank you. Wow. You seem to put up with me, but you don't call it putting up. You say, no. When I let you down, you're rushing. You know, when I come to pray, and I, I, I want to pray, and I pray all the time, actually, but if I want time alone, it's a bit like you're with your wife a lot, and then times you want to just be intimate with your wife. So it's with God. Sometimes you walk with God, but sometimes you just want to have a bit of time with God. And you say, okay, Lord, and you realise that he's like Dad on the, on the roof, waiting, yearning for prodigal to come. <laughs> So as I come to pray, it's, yes, he's here, and he rushes to me. It's not, where have you been? Why haven't you prayed for the last five days? What have you been doing? It's nothing like that. It's, yes, son. Oh, but dad, I did it. Shush, come on in, straight away. You're loved. Put your shoes in, put shoes on you, put a cloak on you. I mean, you're my son. And we got this feeling, oh, dear, he's not really happy with us. You know, our bad behaviour has got a bad smell under his nose. <laughs> it's not like that. He loves us. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You're laden with it all. Come to me and find rest. Learn from me, for I am, what am I? Victorial, 
punishing, judging, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Wow. Dane Alton's written a book called Gentle and Lonely recently. Many of the guys are reading and the girls are blessed very much with it. Uh, but he's trying to make us understand that at the heart of Jesus, his character is gentle and lowly. He knows what we're like and he loves us like a, like a, a, a child, a like parent loves a child who's sickly. And sometimes we're sickly. He just loves us. And, and he's saying, come when it's just too much. See, knowing this love, it will be a daily surprise for some of us because we're so used to being told that we're out of order and we're, we've got strict backgrounds and so on. But knowing his love like this, knowing I can go to him whenever, and not by my performance I buy his love, but I'm loved by him, I'm his own. Actually, that is what motivates me to change, walk with him. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's enjoying that. I think it might go off in a minute. See, mere duty of Bible reading and prayer and service won't do it for me. His devotion to me causes me to be devoted to him, especially when I've blown it. And that motivates me to change, and it does do its job. He is and will always be caring and kind for you, even and especially when you fail or stumble or sin. Yeah? You need to get this because it's not normal. Because if you fail and stumble and sin someone, they're normally put out and don't want anything to do with you or say, well, just call off and I'll see if I want to talk to you. Actually, it's the opposite way with Jesus. He's committed to us and the gentle and steady love. <laughs> he will come to us. He loves us. And I, sometimes I say, God, Oh Lord, I'll blow it again. And I say, that's what I'm like without you. He says, I know, but I'm with you. Come on, we're changing. Our very failings cause him to want to pull us close to him. Is that strange? Mm. It's like a kid who's, who's wrestling and just needs your love, but they're wrestling. Yeah. Come on, come on. He wants to clean us. He wants to hold us. And he says this about you. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So we say, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm such a failure. He says, I'll never cast you out. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm really like, Lord. I do. I never cast you out. But what, no, I'm really, I'm mucked up really badly this time, Lord. Yeah, I'll never cast you out. I find it hard to forgive myself. I'll never cast you out. I get so angry and I swear. I know your language. I'll never cast you out. Well, I've not prayed properly or even read the Bible for ages. So, I'll never cast you out. I sometimes couldn't care less. Won't cast you out. I have nothing to offer you. I will never cast you out. Isn't that wonderful? I don't care how you've been. He'll never cast you out. And that's what changes you. Not all performance. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. He loves you like that. Loving you to the end. 
Alden says this in his book. You will not change until you get straight who Jesus is, particularly with regard to his surprising tenderness. And then you'll spend your whole life long going deeper into the gentleness of Jesus. The only, only alternative to the real Jesus is to get back on the treadmill, the treadmill of doing your best to follow and honour Jesus, but believing that his mercy and grace to be a stockpile gradually defeated by your failures and hoping to make it to death before the mountain of mercy runs out. Wow. Terry Virgo says, Praise God for my exit from a religion of rules and regulations and, and welcome into a relationship of love, grace, new identity, and Holy Spirit help. Yeah. And we need to live in the good of it. That's why the Apostle Paul says, keep in the grace of God. Now being loved like this will hold us through the storm. It will us on the path of truth when everything else is shaking. And Paul actually wrote that lovely prayer you read out, Peter, about Ephesians. Um, you might have the power to comprehend with all the saints what's the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What is interesting in the Gospels you find and in the letters, that instead of saying, get rid of the Romans, it's, Lord, give us the power to grow and spread the gospel. It's almost never fighting against the rulers of the physical rulers, but fighting against the spiritual rulers. Mm. We need the love of God. We need the grace of God, don't we, David? Okay, so here's the challenge at the end, then, of what I've just been saying. Will you let Jesus wash your feet today? Are you, are, you, are you real? Do you understand that you need to be forgiven for that some stuff? Let him wash your feet today. Do you feel that you, you've let down and you've done some stuff? You're clean, you're righteous in Christ, but there is that about you which will drag you down. Have you felt disqualified? Felt you've blown it? If you haven't, well, he's. He'll love you to the end. He'll never cast you out. And when you're away from him, you just got to try to do what you can. The Bible's there. It's a love letter. You'd be a mug if you don't read it. Prayer's there. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Or what peace we often forfeit. Or what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything we've got in prayer. Prayer's there. The Bible's there. Community's there. Love's there. But actually, you're His. None of that saves you. None of that makes you his child. You're his own. And he's going to love you to the end. And he will never cast you out. Perhaps you feel as you felt that he would disown you. He won't. Do you need to receive the grace of God as I pray now? I'm just going to simply pray. Isn't it? Perhaps you've had a wrong view of Jesus. Do you need to repent of that view of Jesus that puts him like you, ordinary men and women? Or you're going to say, Lord, I need to understand, actually, I'm surprised by who you are. Do you need to explore again how much he loves you? Let's pray. Mm -hmm. Lord, we come to you as a master who calls us friends. Wow, Lord. You call me your friend. Lord, if you walked into a stadium of a thousand people, you would look across and say, you're my friend. Hello, Andrew. Yay. 
Help me see that, Lord. Help me see that's who I am in your eyes. That I'm special to you. And therefore, Lord, because I'm special, I'd love to serve you. I'd love to bring you some pleasure. Lord, I come today saying, would you wash me clean? Just wash my feet, Lord. Just got a bit mucked up. Just uh, just mess of the world, perhaps. What's going on? Just wash my feet. I receive your grace today. Give them freely. Nothing to do with what I've got to offer, except dirty feet. <laughs> Lord, I pray around this room now, with your grace, touch each of us. Lord, we need that grace. It's what changes us, what motivates us, what pulls us up, saying, what are you doing that for? <laughs> and I pray, Lord, that we will be changed again by that grace. Yes. Just come and keep changing us, Lord. Yes. Making us, we want to get you, give you pleasure. And it's not performance, it's just living out the grace of God in us. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening. For more information, downloads and podcasts, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk.